This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, there are many surprises in store for the Man of Steel, but before we join him at the Daily Planet in his guise of Clark Kent, let's join Dan McCullough, who has a swell suggestion to make. Say, gang, you ever been on a treasure hunt? Why, sure you have. And you know what's as much fun as a treasure hunt? Opening a package of Kellogg's Pep. Yes, sir. It's downright exciting fun to see which prize you'll find inside the package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal. You know, these comic buttons in the brand new second series are really knockouts. Bright comic strip colors, the outlines of the pictures so clear and sharp. Well, every single one of these new buttons is a real eye-catcher. Take that picture of Andy Gump, for instance. He looks so real, it, well, it seems like you could almost hear him laughing. And Popeye with his corn cob pipe. And Superman. And all the other familiar comic strip characters. Now, there are 18 different buttons in this new second series. So, you'll want to get busy. The more buttons you collect, the more fun you'll have comparing notes with your friends and swapping duplicates. Today, ask Mom to get you a package or two of Kellogg's Pet. Because that's the only way you can get these nifty comic buttons. You don't send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. You just look inside the pet package to get your bright colored comic button. That's P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. A series of bewildering events has Clark Kent literally walking in circles. First, Editor Perry White phoned him, asking him to call for Lois Lane at her apartment. Kent found the apartment of Shambles and Lois missing. And then White denied having phoned him. The next morning, Lois phoned White saying she had a sensational story and asking him to bring $10,000 to a theatrical roaming house on Clover Street. An hour later, Lois reappeared at the planet. She denied having phoned White, explaining she had been with her six sisters. Alarmed, Kent returned to Clover Street. But instead of the theatrical roaming house he had visited earlier that day, he found a piano teacher's studio. The roaming house had apparently vanished from the face of the earth, and so had Perry White. As we continue now, a new and startling development has taken place. Miss Backrack, White's secretary, is telling Kent and Lois about it in Kent's office at the Daily Planet. Listen. I was just going out to lunch when you... I mean, this man called, Mr. Kent. He said he was you, and he sounded exactly like you, but exactly. Good heavens. Go on, Miss Backrack. Well, he asked for Jimmy Olsen, so I had the call switch to your office with Jimmy White. 
A moment later, Jimmy came running out, all excited. He said you wanted him to bring you that second $10,000. Bring it where? Well, he didn't say. He just said he had a rush. He went into Mr. Darwin's office, and then I saw him leaving with a package. He might have told Darwin where he was going. Come on, Lois. All right, let's hurry. Oh, I hope nothing's happened to Jimmy. Afraid something has. Come on. What's going on around here, Clark? There's a lot of things I can't make head or tail of. The only thing I'm sure of is that Jim was tricked into delivering $10,000 somewhere, just as the chief was. And now they're both gone. Take it easy. Darwin might be able to help us. Here we are. Mr. Darwin. Please, please. I'm adding a column of figures. Never mind the figures. Close the door, will you? Thanks. Now, Mr. Darwin, did Jim Olson tell you where he was going with the $10,000 you gave him? He said he's taking it to you. Goodness gracious, didn't he? Well, just answer my question. Did he say where he was taking it? Where I was? I didn't ask him. Good grief. Why didn't you? Oh, why should I? Well, I... Mr. White had instructed me to give the money to Mr. Kent, but he rushed away without taking it. So when young Olson said Mr. Kent had phoned for the money and Mr. Ackrack confirmed it, I naturally gave it to him. Uh, tell me, is anything wrong? Plenty. What do we do, Carl? Come with me. Oh, now, look here, Mr. Kent. I've been put... Where are we going? See the elevator starter in the lobby and Mike at the newsstand. One of them might have noticed Jim leaving. I want to know if there was a car waiting for him or if he took a cab. Come on. Sure, I saw Jim get out of an elevator, Mr. Kent, but I didn't see where he went. It's around lunch hour, and the crowd was pretty thick. Thank you. Come on, Lewis. Mike. Hi, Mr. Kent. Hi. Hi, Miss Lane. Hello, Mike. Mike, did you see Jim Olsen leave the building about an hour ago? Yeah, you sure. Did. He bought a Hershey bar. Did, did you see where he went? He went out. I know, but you didn't notice whether he got into a cab, did you? Yeah, I was too busy. It was around lunchtime. Oh, dear. What are we going to do now, Clark? There's an empty cab at the corner. Come on. Thanks, Mike. Okay, Mr. Kent. What do we want a cab for? We're going to police headquarters and put this up to Inspector Henderson. Oh, I wouldn't get the police in on this shit if I were you, Clark. What we can... Look, what about your detective friend, Candy Myers? Hey, that's a good idea, Lois. Look, I'll tell you what you do. Grab that cab. I call Miss Backrack at the office and tell her we'll be at Candy's if she needs to. Okay, but hurry. You bet. We need help, but fast. Come on, get going. Now, Jim's disappeared, just as Mr. White did. Maybe you can help us, Candy. Well, I'll do everything I can, Kent, but frankly, the way you tell it, this case has me buffalo. Buffalo? It's got me walking around in circles. Why was Miss Lane's apartment wrecked? The motive wasn't burglary because nothing was stolen. And what happened to Mrs. Walsh's rooming house? It couldn't just evaporate into thin air. I don't think it ever existed. What are you talking about, Lois? Didn't I tell you I was there myself this morning and spoke to Mrs. Walsh? You said the address was 407 Clover Street. That's right. But when you took me to 407 Clover Street, Clark, it turned out to be a piano studio and residence. And Mr. Simmons, the piano teacher, had lived there for 18 years. What? I can't understand that. Can't you? No. Can you? Well, uh... Well, What? Nothing. Go ahead and say it. You think I'm dreaming? Well, you must admit it seems strange, Carl. Look, I... The rooming house can't be there one minute and gone the next. You're not tooting it couldn't. Well, just the same it was there. I tell you, it couldn't have been, And Lord. I tell you, it was. Well, now... And there's another thing that bothers me. What's that? Whoever impersonated Mr. White and Miss Lane and me on the telephone must know us very well. The voices, inflections, everything was perfect. Well, if it's a party, I think it is. All he had to do was listen to you talk once or twice and then imitate you perfectly. How do you think it is? What do you mean, Candy? I think I know who's behind all this. You do? Who, who Candy? A very smooth crook named Jack Andrews. At least That's that used him. to be his name. He's got a dozen aliases. This is his usual technique, impersonating people and luring them into traps. Usually. Usually what? The victim is never seen again. Good heavens. You said his name is Andrews, Candy? 
What does he look like? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, Tim. Why, what do you mean? Well, we know he's of average height and build, gray eyes, brown hair, nothing distinctive about him. But one day, he's just as likely to be in Pittsburgh, three inches taller and red-haired, and the next week, be in St. Louis, a fat little old guy, stooped with snow-white hair. What? You mean he's a disguise artist? He's Mr. Disguise himself. He can even do things to his eyes to change their shape and color. I've been on his trail a dozen times, but I've never been able to lay my hands on him. Good grief, and he got Jimmy and Mr. White. You... You've got to find him, Candy. Believe me, Miss Lane, I'll do all I can. But I'm not too hopeful. We haven't got a single lead except... Oh, excuse me. My phone. Sure. Hello? Is Clark Kent there, please? Oh, just a minute. For you, Kent. For me? Yeah. Hello? Hello, Mr. Kent? Yes? Listen closely, Mr. Kent. Listen very closely. If you want to see Jim Olsen and Perry White again... Who is this? Wait a minute, I know. You're Miss... Yes, I'm Mrs. Walsh. But don't repeat it. And don't try to trace this call. I called your office and they told me where you were. If anything goes wrong, if you don't follow my orders exactly, you'll never see your friends again. Do you understand? Yes. You go on. Go to your apartment immediately. Alone. Say nothing to anyone. Is that clear? Yes, yes. Someone will call on you there. But if you try to set any traps, you'll never hear from us again. Or from White and Olsen either. I understand. Good. But remember, no tricks. We're not stupid, Mr. Kent. I promise. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Who was that, Clark? Huh? Oh, I'll tell you later, Lois. I've got to be going now. What do you mean? Where are you going? I can't tell you. Why can't you? Clark, did that call have anything to do with Jimmy and the team? I'll see you later. So long, Candy. Clark, you come back come here. Come back here, Kent. Why, Kent. Come back here, I say. Kent! Kent! Flushing to the door, Candy Myers is just in time to see Clark Kent disappear around a turn in the corridor. Who was the woman who called Kent? And what will happen at his apartment? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Mysterious phone call from a woman instructing Clark Kent to go to his apartment and wait for a visitor sent Kent hurrying from the office of Candy Myers, private detective. As we continue now, he has been restlessly pacing the floor of his apartment for almost an hour. The evening shadows are beginning to lengthen over the city, and a nearby church clock is tolling five when there is a knock at the door. Whirling, Kent strides to the door and opens it, then blinks in astonishment at his visitor. What the... A tall man in a skin-tight gray costume, blue cape, blue hood, and mask. Batman! Hello, Kent. Mind if I come in? No, of course not. Oh, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I'm expecting someone, Batman. I don't want to seem rude, but this is very important. Sure, I know. You were expecting me. You? That's right. And here I am. Hey, now, wait a minute. I don't get it. I received a phone call from... From, from Mrs. Walsh, the mysterious rooming house landlady. That's right. How did you know? I know quite a bit about this case, Kent. What? More than you think I know. And a lot more than you want me to know. More than I want you to know? What do you mean, Batman? I'll tell you, but you'd better prepare yourself for a shock. The shock of your life. Amazed, Clark Kent waits for Batman to explain... What is the famous Batman's connection with this mystery? And what did he mean when he said he knew much more than Kent wanted him to know? Our story has taken a strange new twist, fellows and girls. Even stranger and more startling than anything that has gone before. Monday's episode will keep you on the edges of your chairs. So don't miss it. Be sure to tune in, same time, same station, for a thrill a minute in the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Here's a special salute to the Boys Clubs of America, 
an organization that's 40 years old this week. 40 years of boys helping their neighbors, learning new skills, building boys into better men. All America congratulates Boys Clubs of America. And fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who today takes the first important step towards solving the mystery which has had him baffled. We'll join him in a moment. But first, Dan McCullough has something to say about spring. Come in, Dan. You know what I think makes spring so swell? It's the sunshine. Sure, good old cheerful sunshine. And you know what makes breakfast particularly swell these sunny mornings? Big heaping bowls full of that sunny golden toasted cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Yes, sir. Pep certainly has a way with morning appetite. Makes them sit up and take notice. And nutritious? Why, Kellogg's Pep gives you more than twice as much of an energy vitamin, B1, as sun-ripened whole wheat. Plus, your whole daily minimum need of sunshine vitamin D in every serving. Mom knows how you need those important vitamins. And you know about the exciting prizes you get in packages of Pep. Why, probably you've already started collecting that brand new second series of comic buttons all the gang's hepped up about. Think of it. 18 different pictures of your favorite funny paper characters. And they're so easy to get. Sure, you don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to make sure Mom keeps stocked up with plenty of Kellogg's Pep. And there's your prize in every package. Just ask Mom to get P-E-P, Pep, the Sunshine Cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek and Omaha. Now, the adventures of Superman. For the first time in his career, Clark Kent, even in his role of Superman, seems to be faced with a baffling mystery that has no solution. First, editor Perry White disappears while presumably delivering $10,000 in cash to Lois Lane. Then Jimmy Olsen disappeared, delivering another $10,000 to Kent himself. Worried and confused, 
Kent consulted Candy Myers, his private detective friend. And while at Candy's office, received a strange phone call instructing him to go to his apartment alone and await a visitor. At the close of yesterday's episode, the visitor arrived. To Kent's amazement, it was Bruce Wayne, otherwise known as Batman. Smiling, Batman stepped into the apartment and closed the door behind him. Batman. Oh, yes, you look surprised, Ken. Well, have I... Are you the visitor? If you mean, am I the person you've been expecting? Yes. Well, Mrs. Walsh was unnecessarily mysterious when she calls you. She could have told you I was coming over. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you know Mrs. Walsh? I know quite a lot about this case, Kent. In fact, maybe more than you do. More than I do? Uh-huh. So get ready for a shot. I sh- you mean something's happened to Jim and Mr. White? Batman, what is it? Take it easy, me? Kent. Take it easy. Don't lose well, your head. Tell me then. Just don't stand there. Relax, Kent. Relax. Your nerves are shot. I don't wonder. Don't worry about my nerves. Start talking. How did you happen to get into this? Where did you make contact with Mrs. Walsh? What's this oh, shot? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. One thing at a time. We better start at the beginning. You were in touch with Inspector Henderson, weren't you? Oh, just by phone. Well, he called me in and told me what happened. All about the phony message from Lois asking for $10,000. And the phony message from White asking for 10000 more. And to cap it all, the theatrical rooming house with wings. Wings? Well, you know, according to Henderson, the address White gave you, the delivery of the money. Um, what was it? Uh... 407 Clover Street. Yes, that's right. It was a theatrical rooming house in the morning and a piano teacher studio in the afternoon. That's one of the things I don't understand. Well, let's give it for the moment. I'm interested in the woman who ran the rooming house, not the house itself. Mrs. Walsh. That's right. I tracked her down, Kent. You did? Where is she? How can I get oh, to her? Wait, wait, take it easy. She's the key to the whole mystery. She can answer questions that may lead us to Jimmy and White. That's the strange and confusing part of it, Kent. What? Mrs. Walsh doesn't know a solitary thing. Doesn't know? Oh, that's ridiculous. It all started in her place. What place? There, her rooming house. She has no rooming house. What? I said she has no rooming house. Now, look. She lives alone in a small hotel. That's not true. I was in her house. I talked to her. I... Now, look, you know me as well as anyone. In fact, in fact, you're the only person alive who knows my double identity. The car can't is Superman. Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, do you think I'd stand here and tell you I spoke to Mrs. Walsh in her rooming house if I hadn't? Frankly, at the moment, I don't know what to think. All I know is that Jim Olson and Perry White are missing with $20,000 in cash, and it doesn't look good. You're telling me? Oh, I'm sure I don't have to tell you that. But what I do want to tell you is that Henderson's getting suspicious. Suspicious of whom? Of you. Of me? Uh-huh. That's why I'm here. To warn you that if you're holding anything back, you'd better open up. For the look, why should I hold anything back? I don't know. Miss Lane seems to have a theory. Oh, Miss Lane. Miss Lane always has a theory. What's this one? Well, she says either you imagined all this or you're not talking because you want to solve it yourself. Oh, that's brilliant. Positively brilliant. I imagined her apartment all smashed up, didn't I? I imagined the phone call from Perry White or someone uh, who sounded it easy. like Perry take White. Take it easy. Sure, I'm just sure, repeating sure. what you yeah, said. I know, I know. I imagined the rooming house and Mrs. Walsh. Well, uh, I what about her other hunch? That you're hogging the solution. Oh, that's an old story with Lois. She has a jealous streak. As a matter of fact, I've thrown more stories her way than you can shake a stick at. One of these fine days when she learns that Clark Kent is Superman, she'll have a lot of apologizing to do. She says you made a statement that every mystery has a solution. Did I? So she said. Well, I don't remember, but whether I did or not, it's true. Every mystery has a solution. Well, then, what about... I know, I know, I know. What about this mystery? Right. Well, if you'll tell me where I can find Mrs. Walsh... Now, let's not get back to that again, Kent. Mrs. Walsh is being watched, watched like a hawk. Who is watching her? Oh, who do you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know who's doing anything anymore. I'm running around in circles. Why did Henderson call you in? Why didn't he call me? I told you why. Oh, he suspects me. But why? What have I done? Why should he suspect me? That may be Henderson now. No, it's Candy Myers. How do you know? I... Oh, oh, I forgot. X-ray vision. Just a moment. Hello, Candy. Oh, hi, Candy. Hello, Batman. Anything new, Candy? Plenty. You mean you've got a lead on Jimmy and the chief? No. Well, what's new then? I just had a talk with Henderson at headquarters. Yes? He won't wait much longer. 
Wait for what? Can't stop playing, Tom. You know what. Well, I'm afraid I don't. Anderson thinks you're holding something back. Now, I've been telling him, Candy, but he won't believe me. I believe, but it's ridiculous. I... Maybe I'd better call Henderson. No, wait. You can't wait, wait, call Henderson. Why not? Well, well, because... Well, because what? I told him you were hiding out. Hiding out? You told him... Candy, in the name of heaven, what's going on? Take it easy, Candy. Don't lose your head. head. Don't lose my head. I'm losing my mind. Why did you tell him that I was hiding out? Because I didn't want him to grab you, that's why. What's he going to grab me for? I haven't done anything. Now, Kent, let's face it. There's something screwy about this case. Oh, you can say that again. Harry White and Jimmy Olsen are missing with 20000 in cash. And you are the one who... Hold it. That may be Henderson. Let me take Nothing doing. If it is Henderson, I'll tell him a thing or two. Uh-oh. Hello. Is this Candy Myers there? This is his office calling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just no. It's it, it. for you, Candy. You're up. Oh, thanks. Hello? Candy? Yeah? Yes. Yeah. We just got a hot tip, boss. Yeah? What? Look in the hall closet in Clark Kent's apartment. You'll find it in a hat box. Okay, Jackson. Thanks. Hanging up, Candy Myers turns toward the hall closet. Clark Kent, having heard the telephone conversation by making use of Superman's acute hearing, is already facing the closet. Suddenly, his jaw drops. The color drains from his cheeks. Huh? Great Scott. He's right. It is in the closet. What is in the closet? Well, just between us, it's the solution to the mystery. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. A strange scene is taking place in Clark Kent's apartment. One of Candy Myers' detective agency operatives has just called to give Candy a hot tip. The information that something important is in Kent's hall closet. As we continue now, Candy has just opened the closet door. Reaching up, he removes a hat box from the shelf and flips the cover off. There, half hidden under some crumpled tissue paper, are two banded packages of money. Batman is the first to react. Gracious, what? Money. $10,000 in each package. What's the answer to this, Kent? I... I don't know. You mean to say you didn't know the money was in here? Of course not. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. Do you think I... No, no, I won't even say it. Don't hold anything back, Kent. We're your friends. My friends, I'm not holding anything back. How many times do I have to tell you? And I don't know how that money got into my closet. Well, it looks bad. $20,000 is missing and it turns up in your closet. Wait a minute. How did your office know it was there? Search me. Jackson said he had a hot tip. No, I'll say it was hot. Boy, if Henderson had found this, you'd be in trouble, Kent. But I tell you, I didn't know anything about it. I never saw that money before. All right, all right. Calm down. He's got to move fast. Move fast? Move where? You're coming along with us until we get a chance to iron this thing oh, out. No. You can come to my house, Kent. No, wait a minute, both of you. I'm not running away. I've got nothing to run away from. What about Henderson? If he finds out this money... I'm not afraid of Henderson. Be sensible, Kent. We believe you, but Henderson won't. He's got to believe me. Take my word for it, Kent. He won't. When I spoke to him less than an hour ago, he convinced you were behind all this. He was? Yes. If you're smart, you'll hold up at Batman's place until I can do some snooping around. All right. Now you're using your head. I'd better change my suit and pack a few things. Okay, but hurry. Fast as I can. Yeah, fast as I can out of these clothes. <laughs> Sir, I'm afraid this is a job for Superman. In a matter of moments, Clark Kent's business suit has given way to the colorful blue and red costume of Superman. Tiptoeing to the bedroom window, the man of steel raises it gently, glances back at the closed door, and then... Out! And away! Leaps high above the city and heads for police headquarters. Less than a minute later, once more in the guise of the mild-mannered reporter, he enters Inspector Henderson's office. Hello, Kent. Hello, Inspector. Look, I've got to work fast. Just answer one question for me. When did you last see Candy Myers, the private detective? Myers? Yes. Oh, about six months ago. I thought so. 
Well, the mystery is solved, Inspector. What mystery? The mystery of the strange disappearance of Perry White and Jimmy Olsen. It's solved. I know the answer. Grinning like a Cheshire cat, Clark Kent repeats his startling statement. Yes, Inspector? I know the answer. What is the answer? How did Kent solve the mystery? Do you know? Have you any idea? Well, we'll all know tomorrow, so don't miss it. Tune in same time, same station, for the surprising solution to the puzzling mystery, and for the further adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellas and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with power and ability far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who today gets to the bottom of the mystery that has baffled him and begins to turn the tables on those who are behind it. We'll join him in a moment. But first, a word from our friend, Dan McCullough. You know, you fellas and girls are going to get a lot of chuckles out of your collection of those new second series of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. For instance, the picture of Uncle Willie from the Moon Mullins comic strip. Boy, it's a knockout. There he is, his eyes popping, his old felt hat sitting on one side of his bald head, and his big black cigar sticking out his brush-like mustache. And you'll get a kick out of Maggie, too, with her silly grin and her, and her, her button nose. And, of course, there's Superman. He's doggone good-looking, with his bright red cape slung back over his shoulders and the Superman emblem on his jersey. Yes, sir, every single one of these new second series buttons looks mighty snappy and colorful and bright so that, well, you'll want to get all 18 of them and wear them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. And you'll want the fun of trading duplicates with your pals. So don't miss out. Ask Mom to get you plenty of Kellogg's Pep because that's the only way you can get these swell comic buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But when Mom opens a new package of Pep, you just look inside for your exclusive prize. There's a comic button in every package of P-E-P Pep, the sunshine cereal made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. A bewildering series of events in which Lois Lane's apartment was turned topsy-turvy, a theatrical rooming house seemingly vanished into thin air, and Perry White and young Jimmy Olsen disappeared while carrying large sums of money had Clark Kent completely mystified. Then, to cap the climax, the famous Batman and private detective Candy Myers discovered $20,000, the exact sum White and Jimmy had vanished with, in a closet in Kent's apartment. At that point, Kent began to suspect the truth. Leaving Batman and Candy in the living room of the apartment, he retired to the bedroom, supposedly to change his clothes and pack a suitcase. 
Instead, as Superman, he speaks to police headquarters, where, once more in his guise of Clark Kent, he asked Inspector Henderson when he had last seen Candy Myers. Listen. Myers? The private dick? Yes, Candy Myers. Oh, I haven't seen him in six months. Well, that does it. Now I know the answer. The answer to what? The answer to this mystery. I had a hunch there was something rotten in Denmark when both Batman and Candy warned me not to call you. Not to call me? Yes. Candy said he'd just come from headquarters and that you were after my hide. Say, I don't get this. Start at the beginning, Kent. Well, the beginning was the 1st of April, April Fool's Day. That's when it started. That's when Perry White called me and told me to pick up Lois at her apartment. April Fool's Day? Of course. It was all an April Fool's joke. On me. You mean Lois Lane's apartment wasn't wrecked? White and Olson didn't disappear? Oh, Lois's apartment was wrecked, all right, and Jimmy and the chief disappeared, but it was all arranged. They rigged up an unsolvable mystery to fool me. You mean to sit there and tell me the whole business was a practical joke? Sure. Yes, and now that I look back, I know what started it. What? My statement to Lois and the chief that every mystery had a solution. Yes, I remember her saying, oh, you think you can solve anything, don't you? So they cooked up one that you couldn't solve, huh? That's right. Well, they'll pay for this, Kent. They can't fool around with the police department and get away with oh, it. Oh, another thing. They've got to be taught practical jokes are dangerous. Well, I intend teaching them just that, Inspector, in no uncertain terms. Wait, Scott, I can get back to my apartment. Hey, Kent, wait a minute. I can't wait, Inspector. I'll see you later. Let's see, where can I get out of these clothes? All about Batman and Candy. Oh, that looks like an empty office. Yes, it is. Batman or Candy decide to walk into the bedroom before I get there. I'm sunk. Here we are. That does it. Now, up for the window. Out! And away! Breaking away from police headquarters, Superman heads for his apartment, where, in the meantime, Batman and Candy are becoming impatient. Taking Kent an awful long time to pack a bag. No, I was just thinking the same thing. Poor guy's probably all thumbs. You sure got him going. You know, Candy, I'm beginning to feel sorry for him. He's running around like a squirrel in a cage trying to solve something that can't be solved. It, it really isn't fair. Well, White's figuring I'm breaking it this afternoon. Hey, what's keeping him? Can't. Can't. It's funny. No answer. Oh, my God. You forgot what? Uh, better take a look at the bedroom, Candy. He, uh, he may not be there. What? Uh, he's there. I just heard him. Hey, Kent. Right away. <coughs> not Kent's voice. Uh, I'm going in there. No, wait, wait, Candy. Kent. Just a minute. There, there. What, that's Kent. Yeah, but who's in there with him? Sorry, I kept waiting. Uh, anybody else in that bedroom, Kent? Huh? Why, uh, no. Uh, no. Candy thought he heard another voice. A deep voice. Oh, I had a little frog in my throat the first time you called. Uh, well, gentlemen, it's... Uh, Nice to step off the merry-go-round. What do you mean? Where's your bag? We gotta get going. I don't think we're going anyplace, Mr. Myers. Now that I'm off the merry-go-round, I'm stepping off. What are you talking about? This is it, Candy. I can tell by the glint in his eyes. The cat's out of the bag. And ready to claw you fine gentlemen in the ribbon. Now, wait a minute. Too bad you slipped up, Candy. I slipped up? How? When you told me you saw Henderson an hour ago. You haven't seen him for six months. How did you know? I'll let you figure that one out. Right now, you can clear up some things for me. Whose idea was this April Fool's joke? Lois? Yeah, yeah. She got White and Jim in on it. Then she called us. Surprised that Jim would have any part of it. Well, he kicked like a steer, but they forced him into it. Uh-huh. What about Mrs. Walsh? Who was she? Oh, she's an old-time actress. Lois hired her from a theatrical agency. Oh, I must say, this was an expensive gag. Breaking up Lois's apartment, hiring actresses. How did they arrange that switchover from a theatrical rooming house to a piano studio? It was originally a piano studio. Simmons was a friend of White's. All they had to do was get some false partitions in, hang up a few theatrical photographs, change furniture around a bit, and that did it. Uh-huh. And all because I said every mystery had a solution. That's right. You're, uh, 
You're not sore, are you, Captain? No, oh, no, I'm not sore. Well, I guess we'd better call White and Company and tell them the gag's all oh, over. Wait a minute, Candy, wait a minute. Where is White? He and Jim are hiding out at the newspaper club. Is uh, Lois with them now? I guess so. They're probably rolling on the floor laughing at how well the gag's going. Good. Oh, let them laugh. The gag's over. Oh, no, it isn't. Now it's my turn. What do you mean, Kent? I mean, I'm going to turn the tables on them. You can call them, Candy, but don't tell them I'm wise. Tell them... Oh, tell them I'm going around in circles. You mean... I mean, I'm going to extend the practical jokes are bad medicine. Okay, I'll figure some way. Just you play along. Okay, if you say so. Well, what do you want us to do? I want you to call them and tell them I'm so dizzy I can't see straight. Tell them you finally persuaded me to take a sedative and go to bed. Throw them off guard. Carefully, Kent gives Batman and Candy instructions as to how to proceed in the turnabout Lois' mysterious April Fool's joke. Later that evening, a car with Editor Perry White at the wheel... Lois and Jimmy, crowded into the front seat beside him, turns into the suburb of Brentwood and rolls through the dark, tree-lined streets. I told Foco to have a ten-course dinner ready for us. <laughs> Taking Kent for a buggy ride deserves a celebration. Any mystery <laughs> can be solved, says Mr. Kent. Yeah, we showed him one that couldn't be. I don't think it's funny anymore. Oh, what's that, Olsen? He said it isn't funny anymore. Oh, Jim. I wish I hadn't let you talk me into it in the first place. Well, I thought you had a sense of humor, Jim. Well, I have, but... Gee whiz, this joke's gone too far. Candy said Mr. Kent was so, so... Dizzy was the word. Oh, oh. Well, anyway, <laughs> Kent had to take a sedative and go to bed. I don't think that's funny at all. No, you don't. No. As soon as we get to your house, I'm going to call up Mr. Kent and tell him. You're going to do no such thing. I am, too. Gosh, poor Mr. Kent. Poor Mr. Kent, my eye. If he can't take a joke, it's just too bad. Besides, maybe now you'll stop thinking he's shot. Holmes. Oh, if only I'd been there when Candy found the $20,000 in his closet. <laughs> I didn't want to be at 407 Clover Street tomorrow when Batman and Candy bring Clark there and he sees it's a theatrical rooming house yeah. again. Well, nothing doing. That's going too far. I'm going to tell him. If you do, Olsen, so help me out fire you. I don't care. Tomorrow's a finished game. If you're not going to spoil it, understand, Olsen? Well, you promise you'll tell him tomorrow? Yes, we'll tell him all right. Will his face be red tomorrow? Okay, then, but I don't like it. Ah, here we are, and I am as hungry as a bear. Come on, now, all out. Gee, it's dark. You ought to have light on the porch, Chief. I always tell Poker to put it on, but he forgets. I can make out the walk. You follow us, Miss Lane. Okay. Oh, Kent, that great detective. Well, I haven't had so much fun in years. Sweet. <laughs> what are you stopping for, Olsen? Look. Look at what? What is it? Your house. What about my house? It's gone. It's what? Good heaven. Good God, it, it, it is gone. Stunned, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane stare into the dark, empty hole in the ground where the editor's huge country house had stood. How could a house disappear? We'll return in a moment for the climax of today's episode. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Arriving at Perry White's suburban home the late evening, the gray-haired editor, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane were startled to see only a large, gaping hole where the house had once stood. Pulling themselves together, they drove into the village. And as we continue now, they have just returned with the sheriff. Uh, here we are. Come on. Come on, Sheriff. Look behind you. You're playing this joke, Mr. White. This is no joke, Sheriff. I tell you, my house is missing. Someone stole it. That's right. Well, you see, Sheriff. A house missing. Why, of all tricks. It was right there. And, gee, look. Sleeps. It's back again. Good Godfrey. Heavenly days. It it is back again. Their jaws sagging. Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane stare incredulously at the big house, which, but a few minutes before, had not been there. As they stare, then rub their eyes and stare again, Superman, high above them in the dark sky, chuckles to himself. 
surprised, my friend? Well, this is nothing to what's going to happen in a few minutes. Just you wait and see. What will Superman do next? Tomorrow's episode is packed with mystery and laughs as the Man of Steel turns the tables on his friends in order to teach them that a practical joke is no joke at all. So be sure to listen. Tune in same time, same station, and listen to The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who today turns the tables on Perry White and Lois Lane to repay them for their April Fool's joke and to teach them that a practical joke is no joke at all. We'll join them in a moment. But first, here's a good tip from Dan McCullough. Say, gang, how are you about running errands for Mother? Well, it pays to be willing, you know, and particularly when she sends you to the grocery store, because chances are she's ordering another package or two of Kellogg's Pep. And that's always good because it means that you're going to have the exciting fun of finding your prize inside. Maybe it'll be one of those brand new second series comic buttons to add to your collection, like Andy Gump, for instance, with his funny nose and his mustache, or Popeye with his silly hat and corncob pipe, or Superman himself. Every single one of these comic strip characters looks just as real and just as lifelike as he does in the funny papers. And are these new second series buttons smart looking? White enamel background on real sturdy metal with the pictures of your funny sheet favorites reproduced in brilliant red and yellow and, and blue and black. Looks mighty snappy pinned on your jacket or your dresser cap. And say, gang, isn't it swell to see pet comic buttons are so easy to get. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. Fact is, you can't buy them anywhere. All you do is to ask mom to get you plenty of Kellogg's Pep, and you'll find your exciting prize in every package you open. Remember the name, it's P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent realized that the baffling events of the past few days had all been arranged by Lois Lane, Perry White, and Jimmy Olsen as an April Fool's joke on him. He resolved to teach them a lesson. That night, believing Kent was still unaware of the joke, the three pranksters drove to White's suburban home for a celebration dinner. But as they left the car and walked up the path to the house, they stopped dead in their tracks, unable to believe their eyes. The house was gone. There was nothing left but the gaping hole of the foundation. A few minutes later, when they returned to the strange scene with the sheriff, they gasped in amazement, for there, once more in its accustomed place, was Perry White's house. Hovering above them in a dark sky, 
Clark Kent in his true identity of Superman chuckled. And as we continue now, White, Lois, and Jimmy are a study in bewilderment as Sheriff Teeple lashes out at them. Now, you see here, Mr. White, just because you're the editor of a big newspaper, don't give you no leave to fool around with the law. I, I wasn't fooling around, Sheriff. Of course not. When we were here just a few minutes ago, the house was gone. Oh, it was, eh? I suppose it spread its wings, flew away, and then flew back, I, eh? I, I can't understand it. Neither can I. I ought to lock up the three of you, that's what I ought to do. Get me out here on a fool's errand. That all you got to do with your time? But, Sheriff, the house was gone. You say that once more, young lady, and I will lock you up. What? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. But she was, You'll Sheriff. You'll be quiet, bub. You're big enough to know better, too. Now get in the house, all of you, and if you ever do a fool thing like this again, I'll run you in sure as my name's Sam Teagle. Uh, come on, Lois. Jim. Oh, good night, Sheriff. Good night. And remember what I told you. Now, watch the stairs. This is the strangest thing. I'm sure the house was gone when we were here before. Of course it was. No, it couldn't have been. Where's my key? What do you mean it couldn't have been, Chief? You saw it. I mean, you saw that it was gone. We must have been on the wrong street. No, I don't see how. It was dark and we were laughing about... I turned into the wrong street, that's all. Well, I suppose that could be it, but no, that doesn't that seem... Uh, now, come on, come on, come on. Forget about it. Well, it wasn't the wrong street. I remember... I said it was. Now, forget about it. Oh, is that your phone? Yes, yes. Uh, I'll get it. Hello? Oh? Oh, yes, Tony. What? What's that? Say that again. What is it, Chief? Just a minute, Lord. Yes? Yes, I hear you, Tony. You said... Yes? Yes? Oh, you did, eh? Oh, wonderful. Where are you? Where? Oh, just a minute. Uh, right this up. Wait a minute, I'll get a phone call. 2117 Mark Bank Drive. Oh, okay, Tony. Now, sit tight now, and I'll be right out. What happened, please? Uh, Tony Sloan found Judge Harrison. Uh, where's my hat? Sit Harrison? What? The, the judge who disappeared two years ago after sentencing the Scalzi gang? That's right. So where'd I put my hat? Where did Tony find him? I don't know. I don't know. But they're at that March Bank's drive address right now. Oh, what a scoop. What a scoop. I did Harrison a couple of favors in the old days, and he told Tony he'd give me the whole story. Uh, well, don't stand there staring, Lois. Help me with find my hat. Well, it's right behind you on the table. Oh. Come on, Chief. I'm going with you. Yeah. So am I. Well, come on, come on. We'll take, we'll take my car. Number 2117. Here we are. Oh, come on. Get out, Lois. Okay. Why, this is an empty house. Yeah. The windows are all boarded up. This can't be the place, Mr. White. It's 2117 Marchbanks Drive, isn't it? Now, come on. This house looks as if it had been empty for a long time. You suppose Judge Harrison was hiding out here? Well, we'll find out right away. Oh, what a story. What a story. And it's all... Oh, watch the steps, Miss Lane. They're all busted. Okay, Jim. Gonna get a nice bonus for this. Now, where is he? Tony. 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 Wrap okay. on the door, Olson. Okay. Well, that's funny. Uh, no, wait. I'll try the door. It's unlocked. Be careful, Chief. Tony. Where are you? Tony. He's not here. He must be here. Tony. It's me, Perry White. Got your fountain pen, flashlight with you, Olson? Yeah. Here it is. What are you going to do? Have a look inside, of course. I don't like this. Oh, I don't either. Uh, there we are. Now, come on. Oh, wait. What's the matter? I, I, it's awful dark in there. Ah, ah, brilliant observation. Come on, let's go. 
Tony. Tony Sloan. Yes, sure. He said 2117 March Bank, Chief. Didn't I repeat it? And did you write it down? Yes, but... Uh, just stay behind me now. Oh. oh. What? Oh. What is it? Look. Look straight ahead. Where I'm pointing the flash. Good heavens, a man lying on the floor. Is it... Is it Tony? I don't know. He's all huddled up with his back to us. Now, come on. Oh, it's just an old tramp. He has me sound asleep. Well, we'll find out who he is. Hey, you. You, wake up. Wake up, I say. Go on, go away. Cops? Who are you? I, I, I didn't do nothing. I was just sleeping here, see? I couldn't find a hotel room. I was going to... Hey, you ain't cops. I didn't say we were. Listen, did you Maybe see... Mr. White, huh? Yes, I'm White. Oh, look how Chief is getting up. Oh, I got a note for you. A note? Yeah, a note. Uh, a fellow named Tony gave it to me, and he says to stay here till you come and give it to you. He said you'd give me a dollar. All right, all right, all right. Here. Hey, here's your dollar. Uh, give me the note. I hear you, boss. Thanks. What does it take you? Read it out loud. Here, I'll hold the light for you. Mr. White, something turned up and we had to leave fast. Get down to Pier 6 North Docks as fast as you can. Tony. Pier 6? North Dock? Well, what's the idea? I don't know. Say, you. Yeah? Was anyone with the man who gave you this note? Yeah. No white-haired guy. This uh, Tony called him Judge. Sure, Judge Harris. Quiet, Alton. What happened to make them leave? Well, a car drives up in front of the house and honks its horn. Tony goes outside and talks to the guy in the car, and then he comes running back in here, and he says to the old guy, we got to get back to the pier, Judge. Ellis is there. Ellis? Who's Ellis? How should I know? Oh, okay. Come on. Come on, Lord. Jim. I don't understand this, Chief. Neither do I. Who's Ellis? Uh, we'll find out when we get to the docks. We're going to be there in a half hour if we cut across the highway. I've got a hunch this is a terrific story. Here's Pier 6. Move your stumps, Olson. Okay. I don't see Tony. I don't see anybody. Mm, neither do I. Wait a minute. Yes, yes, here it is. What? Tony's note. I want to make sure he said Pier 6. Yeah, yeah, it's Pier 6, all right. Well, then where's Tony and Judge Harrison? I don't know. Something must have gone wrong. Puddled, Perry White, Lois Keene, and Jimmy Olsen stand at the dark, deserted pier, straining their eyes through the light, misty fog. Oh, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Following the directions in reporter Tony Sloan's note, Harry White, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen drove to Pier 6 on the Metropolis waterfront, but found it dark and deserted. No, says Pier 6, but there's not a soul around. Something must have gone wrong. How about checking with the office, Chief? Yeah, we'll wait a few minutes more. If Tony doesn't show up, I can put Tony Sloan, friend. <gasps> Behind it. Good heavens. Who are you? Put that gun down. Just don't make no funny moves and maybe the gun won't go off. Please. What's the idea? You're too nosy, mister. Nosy? Yeah, lady. Like that reporter Tony Sloan was. We don't like nosy. They get in our hair. I just turn around and walk out on the pier. The pier? Yeah, the pier. All the way to the end. Get going. What for? You'll find out when you get there. You won't like it, but that's what happens to nosy guys. Now, get going in a hurry. Now, wait a minute. Get going, I said. Now, this gun might go off. Go on. What? Gee. Gee whiz. Their knees like rubber. Harry White, Lois Lane, and Jimmy Olsen turn slowly and walk out on the dark, deserted pier, closely followed by the hard-faced stranger with the gun. What does this mean? And what will happen? Is this another prank by Clark Kent? 
promise to teach his friends that practical jokes are dangerous? Or is it real? We'll find out tomorrow. So be sure to be with us when White and Lois and Jimmy receive the surprise of their lives. And so does Superman. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal man. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, silent, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who today arranges for Perry White, Lois Lane, and Jim Olsen to learn what it means to be on the wrong end of a practical joke. We'll join them in a moment. But right now, let's listen in on a discussion between Dan McCullough and his young pal, Rusty. So, uh, you had a good time, did you, Rusty? I sure did. That was the best party I've been to in a long time. How come? Well, it was all filled around that new second series of comic buttons we're all collecting, from packages of Kellogg's Pets. Hey, that's a swell idea. Sure, like, well, we, we played a game where each one of us had to impersonate one of the funny paper characters, and the rest had to guess who it was. I see. Uh, who were you? I was Pop. I, I got a can of spinach, see, and I put on my old striped jersey and my brother's old sailing hat, and I stuck my chin out so I looked tough like Popeye. <laughs> yeah. That darn Pete would guess who I was almost before I was ready. <laughs> Too easy, huh? Well, how did uh, Cousin Doris come out? Well, she was Maggie at bringing up Father. They guessed right away, too. But, but you know what? No what? I managed to do a little trading at the party, too. You did? Yeah, Pee-wee traded me his extra olive oil button for my duplicate Superman. Well. Boy, I was glad to get that one. You bet, Rusty. All the fellows and girls are mighty glad when they get another comic button to add to their collection. And particularly now that there's an exciting new second series to collect, 
18 new buttons, each with a picture of one of your favorite comic strip characters. Each one mighty snappy looking when you pin it on your jacket or your dresser cap. Yes, sir, it's a grand hobby, collecting pet comic buttons. And it's easy, too. Sure, you don't send it any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. You just make sure Mom keeps plenty of Kellogg's Pep on hand and gets your prize in every package you open. That's P-E-P, Pep. Sunshine Cereal, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Discovering that his friends at the Daily Planet were making him the victim of an April Fool's joke, Clark Kent decided to turn the tables on them. To begin with, Editor Perry White received a phone call from Tony Sloan, one of his reporters, who said that he had located a famous judge who had mysteriously disappeared two years ago. Certainly they were on the trail of a sensational story. White Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen went to an abandoned house to meet Tony, where they found a note telling them to come to Pier 6 on the waterfront. Hurrying to the pier, they were puzzled to find it deserted, when suddenly a man with a gun loomed out of the darkness and ordered them to walk to the end of the pier. As we continue now, White Lois and Jimmy have been forced into a small motor launch, which is carrying them swiftly across the inky black harbor. A burly, roughly-dressed waterfront character is at the wheel. In the stern, another man with a gun raises his weapon as Perry White steps toward him. Listen. Now, look here, you. My name is Perry White, and I'm the editor of the Daily Planet. The two young people with me are Miss Lane and Jim Olson, two of my reporters. Came to the pier. Oh, they can't. They could have figured no good. We don't care who you are. Who are we? You'll find out, sister. Find out what? Where are you taking us? You'll find that out, too, bud. Now, you listen to me, whatever your name is. I don't know what you're up to, but you can't get away with this. Oh, no. Mr. White told you who we are. Our paper knows that we came to Pier 6 tonight, and as soon as we're missed, they'll notify the police. You bet they will. So what? Well, the police will find us, and it'll be too bad for you. By the time they find you, it'll be too late. Too late? Too late for what? You look like a bright young fella. Figure it out for yourself. Please, <laughs> listen. Don't let him scare you, Jim. He's just bluffing. He wouldn't dare do anything to us. Stop or make me laugh, Grandpa. Stop calling me Grandpa. Now, listen. Wait a minute, Chief. Come here a minute, will you? You two. Let go of my arm, Lord. I'm going to make this, this hoodlum tell me what this is all about. Please, please. I think I know what it's all about. Now he can't hear us. Sit down. I don't want to sit down. I... Please. Oh, all right. Now, now, what do you want? Now, look. Tony Sloan said that he'd found Judge Harris, and the judge had agreed to tell us what had happened to him two years ago when he disappeared. Well, what's that got to do with this? I think it's got everything to do with it. The judge disappeared after he sentenced three of the leaders of the Scalzi gang to the penitentiary for life, right? Yes, so what? So their friends must have found out that Tony had contacted us, and they trapped us in order to keep the police from finding out about Judge Harris. Hey, you're right. I'll bet that's the answer. Well, if it is, we're in hot water. The Scalzi gang are bad actors. Oh, boy, they don't come any worse. We've got to do something before they, they, before they do whatever they're planning to. Well, what can we do? Both those ruffians have guns. Look, how about diving overboard? It's awful dark. We might be able to get away. Oh, we must be four or five miles from shore, Jim. We'd never make it. No, no, of course not. They turn on their searchlight, finish us off before we've gone a hundred yards. But we can't just sit here and wait. They're probably going to take it out beyond the harbor and then, then get rid of us. Oh, dear. Oh, wait, wait. Look. Huh? What, Chief? There, there, there's a ship just ahead. A freighter. Yes. You see it? Yes. There she is, Ned. Bring her in easy. Oh, oh. It's a gang ship. Now what happens? Something tells me we'll find out very soon. Okay, chaps. Up on your feet. This is the end of the line. Oh, what do you mean? Stop playing dumb, sister. Up the ladder. Now Go you, on. Just wait a minute. Just go on. I'm afraid you better, Lois. Now you're making sense, Grandpa. Move, sister. You follow it, kid. Oh, what's up there? You'll find out. Come on, come on. Well, I guess I have. Uh, you ain't kidding. 
You follow, Grandpa. If you don't stop calling me Grandpa, yes. I snap my wrist, huh? <laughs> Go on, move. There's a man up top, so I want to see you. Oh, you'll find out. Now, go on, get caught. Oh. Okay. Step on that. Lois. Yes. Oh, oh, here you are. The one who ran the boat said there's some big shot waiting for us. And he said this was curtain. Okay, chumps. This is the last mile. Walk, walk, walk where? Over that cabin where the light is. Go on. Stop poking that gun at us. In about two minutes, you won't mind that no more. Oh, golly. Okay, this is it. Open that cabin door, kid. You mean this one? That's right. You don't have to knock. The big boss is expecting you. Open it, I said. Oh, okay. I, I guess this is it. Go on in, all of you. No, no, don't put don't me in. Don't leave me. Good evening. Look. Good, good heaven. No, no I, I, I'm seeing things. Mr. Kent. Clark. Don't look so startled. Well, gee. I'm not really going to make you walk the plank, much as you deserve it. Yeah. Well, what does this mean? Uh, what are you doing here? Oh, now, wait a minute. An accomplished practical joker like you, Chief, should have caught on long ago. This little act is called turning the tables, or one good April Fool's joke deserves another. What? Clark, you don't mean it. That's exactly what I do mean, Lord. I didn't frighten you too much, but I promised Mr. Henderson I'd teach you that sometimes practical jokes are not funny. I, I gotta sit down. How do I... Well, I say, uh, if this is all a gag, then, then Tony Sloan was in on it, will you? Of course he was. And so was Dippy, the trap of the abandoned house, and Steve, and Nick. Say, incidentally, I hired them all at the same theatrical agency that supplied you with Mrs. Walsh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Clark. <laughs> Were we taken in? But good. <laughs> yeah, we had it coming to us, all right. <laughs> I'm glad you're such good about it. What's my eyes? Tony Sloan can't do that to us. Oh, uh, chasing me around all night. Deserted house, Pier 6, boat rides. I'll fire him. I'll... Oh, 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 oh. You took me for a buggy ride, Chief. Can't you take one in return? Of course he can. He is full. Well, okay. You're right, Jim. We we had it coming. Oh, that boy, Chief. That's a spirit. <laughs> Kent, I, I got to hand it to you. You, you really put us over the jumps. <laughs> but good. Clark, wait a minute. What? Did you have anything to do with the chief's house disappearing tonight? Oh, how could he? Uh, well, strange enough, I did, Jim. Well, how oh, did you... with the assistance of Superman. Superman? You mean he was in on this, too? Uh-huh. He thought it was a good <laughs> idea to teach you that practical jokes are bad medicine. Oh, that's enough for me. I'm cured. So am I. <laughs> we all had a good laugh. And now we can... Wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the $20,000? What about it? Where is it, Kent? Safe in my apartment. Candy Myers is going to get until I get home. Well, oh, that is a relief. Oh, he was worried. <laughs> oh, Kent, I, I wish I could have been there when Candy found the money oh. in your closet. So do I. <laughs> I'd be going all right. But you should have seen your faces when yeah. Steve made you find the ladder to the <laughs> As our friends laughed merrily over what they vow is their last practical joke, a much different scene is taking place several miles away in Kent's apartment, where his friend, private detective Candy Myers, has fallen asleep on Kent's couch. $20,000 on a table nearby. Suddenly the doorbell rings. Then rings again. Uh, just a minute. Uh, uh, that you, Kent? Telegram, please, you can. Okay. Uh. All right, let's have a stick him up, buddy, and don't move. Huh? Hey, hey, what is this? What do you think? Stick him up, I said. That's right. Now just step back nice and easy. Okay, Chuck, come in and close the door. Hey, what is this? A gag? 
fully awake now, his hands above his head. Candy Meyer steps back in Clark Kent's apartment, closely followed by two masked men, each of them holding a gun. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. As private detective Candy Myers was waiting in Clark Kent's apartment for the return of his friend, the doorbell rang and two masked men carrying guns entered and ordered Candy to raise his hands. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Kent's getting back at me now for helping to play that April Fool's joke on him. This ain't no joke, Myers. Go on, even know my name. Take off your mask and put the hardware down. Keep your hands up. Now listen, I set them wide. That's what you think. Now look, <laughs> I... What do you know? There's the 20 grand on the table. Just wait for us. Grab it, Chuck. Okay. <laughs> Still won't admit it's a gag. Hey, hey, wait. What are you doing with the door? Bye-bye. Hey, no way. Gag or no gag, that door has to stay here. I told Ken I'd watch it. Stay right where you are, Myers. Open the door, Chuck. Wait, I said. You're not going to get out of here with that door. Don't move it. Okay, you asked for it. Oh, oh. Springing forward, Candy Myers' hands are closing around the masked man's arms as the gun fires. The private detective groans and slumps to the floor, where he lies motionless. Our story has taken still another strange twist, fellows and girls. And this time, it's not a joke. So be sure to be with us tomorrow, when Kent, Batman, and Robin join forces in a swift attempt to solve still another amazing mystery. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, published in Superman DC Publications. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, Daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it? You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet, who came to Earth with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice, who today joins Batman in an effort to find Candy Myers, his private detective friend, who disappeared when a series of practical jokes begun by Lois Lane and Perry White backfired. We'll join them in a moment. But first, 
Here's Stan McCullough who wants to talk to you about something pleasant to look forward to. You know, gang, a lot of people think it's more fun to anticipate something, you know, to look forward to it, than it is to actually have it. But believe me, that's not true of this new second series of comic buttons you fellows and girls are all collecting from packages of Kellogg's Pet. Of course, it is fun to look forward to Mom opening a new package of Pep and to wonder, uh, to wondering which colleague button you'll find inside. But it's just as exciting when you get that smart-looking button. Maybe it'll be one from this brand-new second series that you need for your collection. Might be the Little King or Uncle Willie or Superman himself. Or maybe it'll be a duplicate that you can swap with one of your friends. That's even more fun, too. And you'll get a real kick out of pinning these brilliant colored buttons on your jacket or your dress or cap and wearing them for all the kids to see how many you've collected. You really feel like strutting around, believe me. And you know, the best part is, these nifty comic buttons are so easy to get. You don't have to send in a single penny, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. You just ask Mom to get you plenty of that sunny golden toasted cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Inside every package, there's a thrilling prize. That's P-E-P, Pep, the sunshine cereal made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. No, the adventures of Superman. Unknown to Clark Kent, who, as we know, is Superman, what began as an innocent April Fool's joke has developed into something far different. While Kent was turning the tables on Lois Lane, Perry White, and Jimmy Olsen, who started the joke, his friend Candy Myers, the private detective, waited in Kent's apartment with the $20,000 in cash which had been used in the hoax. When two masked men armed with revolvers entered the apartment, Candy thought they were involved in the prank. But when they snatched up the money and started to back out, the detective leaped at them. One of the masked men fired, and Candy sank to the floor where he lay motionless. As we continue now, almost an hour has gone by, and Kent, accompanied by Bruce Wayne, in reality the famous Batman, has just stepped out of the elevator and is walking down the hall to his apartment. Listen. Oh, I'd like to have been in that ship's cabin tonight, Clark. When White, Lois, and Jimmy walked in and found you waiting for them. <laughs> something to see, Bruce, I'll tell you. Their eyes almost popped out of their heads. But well, there was a bunch about it. They admitted they had it coming to them, and we all took a vow to lay off practical jokes in the future. A good idea. Sometimes they go sour. Oh, sometimes. Too often. Well, here we are. Golly, poor Candy. He's been waiting all evening for me. Oh, waiting here? Uh-huh. Guarding the $20,000. Money, Bruce. Oh, thanks. Now we're back at last, Candy. Candy. Oh, where is he? He probably got sleepy and took a nap in the bedroom. It's almost midnight. No, I'll wake him. No, don't bother. He's not in the bedroom. He is? No. Uh-uh. Oh, maybe he got tired waiting and went home. That's funny. He promised to stay here till I got back. He wouldn't break his word. And, and where's the $20,000? Well, it must be here someplace. It isn't anywhere in this apartment. Well, how do you know? I... Oh, I always forget that X-ray vision of yours. Well, don't worry about it. Candy made him call out in the case. And chances are he took the money with him because he didn't want to leave it on guard. Oh, no, no. He would have left a note. Great Scott, look. What? Candy's gun and shoulder holster are on the couch. He must have been lying down here. See how the couch is all wrinkled? Uh-huh. Well, he took the gun off to be more comfortable. Right. And he wouldn't have gone out on a case without it. Well, he'd go out for a cup of coffee without it, though, wouldn't he? What? Oh, you mean... Before he got hungry and went out for a bite. He'll be back soon. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, I suppose that's... Let's uh... have a look out this window, huh? No. He isn't in the coffee shop downstairs. He isn't in the drugstore at the corner. Well, maybe... He isn't in the restaurant on Flower Street. Those are the only places to eat around here. Maybe he decided to walk for a few extra blocks. What? What's the matter with you, Clark? I didn't know you were such a worrier. I'm not ordinarily, but I don't like this. You couldn't make Andy walk an extra block. He started out as a police officer on a beat, and he says his feet still hurt from pounding the pavement. Well, I just the thing. Excuse me. Sure. Hello. Is that you, Mr. Kent? Yes, who's that? Jackson from Candy Myers. Oh, yes, Jackson. Candy there, Mr. Kent? Why, no, I expected to find him here. Promised to wait till I got home, but evidently he left. That's funny. He told me he'd be at your place tonight. Uh-huh. Something came up a little while ago, and we need him. Oh? 
been calling you for a half hour. Oh, I, I just got in. Did you try his apartment? Yeah, but there's no answer. Huh. Listen, if he calls in, tell him to check with me right away, will you? I'm at the office. Yes, yeah, sure. And if, if you hear from him, have him call me. Okay. Good night, Mr. Kent. Good night, Jack. That's strange. What's strange? One of Candy's men is looking for him. Says he's been calling here for half an hour. So if Candy just went down for a cup of coffee, he should have been back by now. Look, son. Candy's a big boy and plenty tough. He can take care of himself. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. Just that this isn't like him, but... Uh-oh, what's that? What is now? Here. Take a look at this. What? What's under the chair? The cartridge chair. Right. Where did it come from? It wasn't here when I left the apartment earlier tonight. Oh, it's from a thirty-eight caliber revolver. And Candy's gun is a Colt forty-five. I mean, somebody else will get tonight. Someone who fired a gun. No, it is starting to look bad. So I've been trying to tell you. It looks like... Oh, oh, oh wait a minute. Yes? <laughs> I'm beginning to smell a rat. What do you mean? <laughs> oh, oh, I get it. You think you're doing another practical joke? Oh, you think Candy pulled this himself? Well, it could be. His man calling up just now was pretty suspicious. Why, of course it's a game. <laughs> and he had us going for a while, too. Hey, sure did. I was just about to call Inspector... <laughs> What now? Just a minute. It isn't a guy. What do you mean? There's no bullet. No bullet? You mean... The... Of course. The bullet from this thirty-eight shell. Where is it? Oh, wait a minute. Relax. Relax. There might have been a blank. Uh-uh. There would have been a mark on the shell if it was. And there is no mark. I looked. Well, maybe he shot it out the window. Come on. So, where are you going? Mr. Nielsen, the man in the next apartment, is just coming down the corridor with his dog. He's usually home all evening. Might have heard something. Oh, uh, Mr. Nielsen. Hello. Good evening, Mr. Kent. Good evening. I'm very glad to find you here. Well, I'm glad to find you. Listen, did you happen to... Let me finish, please. First of all, let me say that I have no objections to young men enjoying themselves if they maintain order and quiet, of course. Well, that's... uh... But I have definite objections to drunken brawls going on within sight and hearing of my apartment. Drunken? Well, Well, please don't try to deny it, Mr. Kent. Well, I... I was disturbed by loud voices and fighting and came out of my apartment to make my objections to you not more than an hour ago. I saw one of your guests, obviously under the influence of alcohol, being helped, or I I should say carried from your apartment by two other young men. Uh Uh-oh. The young man. Yes. The one who was carried. What, what, was he, he husky and, and, and light-haired? Yeah, yes, he was. And, and he was so intoxicated, his eyes were closed. I believe the term is out cold. Yes, sir. Uh, up to now, you've been an admirable neighbor, Mr. Just Cameron. A moment, I... Just a moment, please. The other two men. Did you get a good look at them? I did not. No. Oh, they, they were so intoxicated that their hats were tipped down over their eyes. As I say, up to, up to now, you have been qu- uh, well, quite well, an think, Mr. Nielsen, this is very important. Didn't you notice anything about the other two men? I wasn't at all interested in them. Oh, I know you weren't interested, but you must have noticed something. Please try to remember. This isn't what you thought it was. I, I, I wasn't home. But then if I'm very wrong, the young fellow you saw, whom you thought was intoxicated, had just been shot by one of the other men. Yes. Let's think hard, Mr. Neal. My goodness, I... Well, I hardly know what to say. I had a picture of the two men. You say you couldn't see their faces. All right, how about their size? Or their clothes? Uh, Their size, their clothes. Yes. Oh, yes, their clothes. Well, well, let me see now. Yes, yes. It seems to me I I did notice something. You did? What? Well, now, let me see now. What was it? It it was something unusual. I I know it was, but I... Well, I just can't seem to remember now. Now, what was it? I... No. Intensely, almost prayerfully. Arkent and Batman lean forward, as if striving by their wills to make Mr. Nielsen remember. No, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Mr. Nielsen, Clark Kent's neighbor, saw Candy Myers being carried from Kent's apartment earlier that night. Now in the corridor outside Kent's door, the man who is really Superman and his friend Batman wait breathlessly as Mr. Nielsen says. I noticed something unusual about one of the two men who was carrying your friend, Mr. Kent. Yes. But, uh, I can't seem to remember now. Or, uh, uh, wait. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I do remember. What? what, what? Uh, one of them was wearing uh, brown leggings, or, or rather puttees. Brown puttees. Yes, yes. Did you notice anything else? Why? Why? No, I, I can't say that I did. Uh, uh, Clark, come in here. Just a moment, please. Uh, come now, in here, I said. Uh, thanks, Mr. Nielsen. Uh, uh, you're quite welcome, sir, but uh, I do wish you'd tell me... Uh, What's the idea of dragging me away? He, he might have remembered something else. He told us all he knew. 
And it might be enough. What do you mean? He just mentioned a that. A pair of brown puttees. Now think. Who wears puttees in Metropolis? Well, I don't know. Chauffeur. The drivers of the two big taxi cab fleets wear them. Huh? One of those lads who took Candy away was a cab driver. Oh, wait a minute. Just because he wore puttees doesn't prove he's a cab driver. Private chauffeurs sometimes wear them, too. The fellow was a cab driver. He had to be. Why? Now listen. Candy, Lois Lane, and I hatched a gag of planning the $20,000 in your apartment while we were in a taxi. Now go ahead. Keep talking. Well, that was yesterday afternoon. And we planned the whole deal in a cab. So? We were pretty hilarious about it. And the driver couldn't help overhearing us. Evidently, he saw a chance to get hold of them. Oh, that's no evidence, Bruce. Someone else might have overheard you. Not a cab driver. What about those actors who were in on the gag? Mrs. Uh, Walsh and the actors I hired. The Petit say my hunch is right. Oh, if I only could remember exactly what this fellow looked like. Yeah, I remember he had carroty hair. I think he had one of those eyebrow mustaches. Lois might remember. Good idea. Look, look, look. Let's go up and down headquarters. They have a photograph of every cab driver in the city. Yeah. We ought to be able to find our man. Well, look, there's a sense in both of us covering the same ground. You take that in, Bruce. I'm going to talk to Inspector Henderson and then check on all the actors who are in on the joke. Okay. I'll call Lois from headquarters. See you later, Clark. Right. Uh, hello, in- Inspector Henderson, please. This is Clark Kent. Yeah, Kent of the Daily Planet. Look, I don't care if he has gone home. I know you have a private wire to him, and I've got to talk to him. Desperately, Clark Kent and Batman begin their search for Candy Myers. What has happened to Candy? Monday's episode is full of drama and exciting action, gang, as Superman and Batman battle against desperate odds. So don't miss the smashing climax of our story. The story which began as a joke and developed into grim reality. Tune in, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publication. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, strange visitor from another planet, who came to us with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. Superman, defender of law and order, champion of equal rights, valiant, courageous fighter against the forces of hate and prejudice. Today, Batman and Lois Lane pursue the clue of the taxi driver and run head-on into trouble. We'll join them in a moment. But first, here's our good friend, Dan McCullough. You know, gang, I was passing the school in our neighborhood this morning, just about recess time, and I met up with a couple of kids who are really going to town collecting that new second series of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. They got a swell start on collecting all 18 different buttons. Right then, they were swapping duplicates with each other. One young fella had two Superman buttons, and the other had two of Maggie. Each one needed the button that the other had two of to add to his collection. Yes, sir, it's mighty exciting fun to compare notes with your pals and see who has the most different pet comic buttons. And it's mighty smart to wear all your comic buttons pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. They really show off. Actually, you're not in the swing unless you're collecting these thrilling prizes. You're missing out on a load of fun. So 
Better get going on your collection. Ask Mom to get you a good supply of Kellogg's Pep. That's the only way you can get these comic buttons, you know. You can't buy them anywhere, and you don't send a single penny, not even a box stop. You just look inside the Pep package for your exciting prize. Get your comic buttons from P-E-P Pep, the sunshine cereal made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek and Omaha. Now, the adventures are of Superman. What began as an innocent April Fool's joke on Park Kent has turned into grim reality. In Kent's apartment, private detective Tom Myers was guarding $20,000 in cash, which had been used in the hoax, when two masked men armed with guns entered. Candy was shot. And when Kent and the famous Batman arrived a short time later, both Candy and the money were missing. A neighbor said he had seen a young man answering Candy's description being carried away by two other men, one of whom wore brown leather puttees. Suspecting that the man wearing the puttees might be a taxi driver, Batman left to pick up Lois Lane and make a check of all cab drivers. As we continue now, it is one o'clock in the morning. Batman and Lois Lane are at the vehicle bureau at police headquarters, examining the photographs of the city's cab drivers. Listen. We must have gone through 200 of these photographs, Batman. I never knew there were so many cab drivers in Metropolis. Yeah, there are 15,000 also. Good heavens, you mean you have to look through 15,000 photographs? We may find our man before that. You said you remembered what he looked like. Oh, yes, he was thin and wiry, with red hair and a little mustache. And his eyebrows were straight. I remember that distinctly. Do you really think he had something to do with Candy's disappearance? My hunch says so. You and Candy and I hatched the idea of turning the $20,000 in Kent's apartment while we were in a taxi cab yesterday afternoon, remember? Yes. Well, one of the men who carried Candy from Kent's apartment was a cab driver. So, hey, wait a minute. What? His photograph. Let's see it. No, no oh. it's a false alarm. Description says the fellow has black hair on the stand. Also, our driver's head is flat of mass. Ah, your reporter's eye comes in handy. Well, keep going. I'm not saying which Robin was at office. He would this week to visit a friend. <gasps> Here he is. Our driver? Yes. Look, his description. The name is Jack Red. Uh-huh. But I'd like to him without the description. You see how his eyebrows go straight across his brow? And how his face hollows in under his cheekbones? Well, I didn't notice yesterday, but if you're sure. I'm positive this is the man who drove us. Okay, let's see. His name is Fred Johnson. But there's no address. And the car said he drives from Metropolis Taxi Company. Come on. Where? The Metropolis Taxi Company, of course. They'll tell us where to find him. Oh. We can cut to the teletype room. Step on it, Wayne. My hunch is right. We're on our way. The driver's name is Fred Johnson, you say? That's right. Well, I'll look at our driver's file. It's awfully kind of you. That's all right. See you Jackson, Jacobson. Here we are, Fred Johnson. If you'll just give us his address. And tell us whether he's driving his cab tonight. Well, this file will have everything. Now, let me see. He's driving days this week, so he's probably home now. Here's his address, 959 Quarry Road. That's across the river. Yes, I know where it is, and thanks very much. Come on, Miss Lane. Yes, thanks, Lowe. You're welcome. Now well, we can drive to Quarry Road in half an hour. Come on, hop on the car. And that little bungalow just ahead must be 959. Come on, dark and deserted out here, isn't it? This is practically the end of the city. Now, let's go and try not to make any noise. I want to start around with it first. Look, Batman, if your hunch works out, we might be in trouble. There are just the two of us, and I'm afraid I wouldn't need much help in a fight. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Get the house quiet now. I want to go around to the, wood, around to the rear where that lighted window is. It's so dark. I'm afraid I'll stumble. Oh, hang on to my arm. We've had one break so far. What's that? Mr. Johnson doesn't seem to have a door. Easy now, easy. Here we are. 
The window shade isn't quite all the way down. Let's have a look. There's Johnson. And three other rough-looking characters. Oh, look, that little boy. Quiet, quiet, let's be quiet. Yes, let's look on the table. I see it. Yes, keep the bank. Now, come on, look, the two green and white bands with the money was raised in. That's our $20,000, all right? Come on. What are you trying to do? Alone. Now listen, Candy may be in the house somewhere. I know, we've got to get the police. You go to the phone house and call them. Uh, wait, what's the matter? Listen, what? Hear that? Uh, it sounds like someone's going. Cut, man, maybe it's Candy. That's what I think. Now, if I can get one of these basement windows open, you go. Uh, oh, oh, there it is. Oh, dear. Who's there out there? Someone's around the back of the house. Here they come. Oh, they do. You run your car. But you? Never mind about me. Run now, the keys are there. Right, the nearest phone, not the corner house. Now run. All right, but... Into the basement. Candy. Is that you? Candy. Oh, I see you. Thank oh, heavens you're alive. Where'd they go? I don't know. Hey, hey. I'm going to try. Just a second. Just gag off you. Yeah. Batman. Take it easy. Oh, you're in a jiffy. Your mouth's not very tight. I've been working on her. Can't I thought you'd been sure. I was, but just the scalp all night. Yeah. Hey, this window's open. Better hurry, Joe. They'll be with us in a minute. I'll have you bring another shake. Yeah. Hey, Daisy. Turn the basement light on. You hear that, Batman? They turned the light on. We're dead ducks. They've all got guns. So what? There you are. Can you get up? Huh? Can I? Oh, boy. Hey, the light. There they are. Hit the, hit the ground, Candy. I'll break the bolt. Hey, come on, Chuck. Hey, let's go. Here they come. There's only three. No, there's four of them. Stay in the center of the basement where the light's out. Okay. Come and get it, you rat. Come on. Let them have it. Come yeah, on. Get it. Yeah. 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 Batman. I'm afraid so, Kenny. Okay, Fred, get your gun. We'll punish these wise guys for good. <laughs> Helpless, Batman and Candy stand with arms upraised as the man across the basement, holding Lois Lean by one arm, throws a pistol at them. This looks like the end. But is it? No. Back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> basement of the bungalow, Batman and Candy Myers stand helpless, arms upraised, as Fred Johnson, the taxi driver, points his gun at them, and his henchman, 20 feet away, pushes Lois Lane toward Batman and Candy, and then advances with his own gun leveled. Okay, Myers, here's where you get him. No, don't. Shut up, sister. You put it in, so you're getting it, too. And the guy in the masquerade comes up. Yeah, he is, No good one, No. Sir. What's this, sister? You ready, Harry? Yes, yeah, sir. Sure. Then let him have <laughs> Say, tell me, 
How'd you get this here? Oh, I checked with the taxi companies, discovered what you had, and hopped a trolley car out here. Yeah. <laughs> trolley car. Baby, I was never so glad to see anyone in all my life. And listen, listen, hear me. One and all, the next time Candy Myers gets mixed up in a practical joke, somebody give him a good kick in the pants. Please, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Depends on what suit you're wearing. <laughs> well, all's well that ends well. Even a joke. Right. Except for Mr. Johnson and his playmates. Uh, they didn't know the joke was over. <laughs> <laughs> and so another Superman adventure has been brought to a close. We're quite sure that Candy Myers voiced the sentiments of all his friends when he stated that practical jokes were unhealthy. Gang, tomorrow we're starting a brand new story. A different kind of story. One we honestly believe will be the most exciting adventure Superman has ever taken part in. We promise that you'll thrill to every minute of it. And we urge you to be sure to listen tomorrow. And tell all your friends to listen. When we begin the greatest story of Superman's career. The fight against our country's most powerful menace. A menace worse than atomic bombs. So don't fail to tune in tomorrow. Same time, same station. For the further adventures of Superman. Master the speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. It's really tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Today, Superman and his full of parts and mild-mannered reporter comes face to face with the most dangerous menace in the world. The menace of hate. Say, gang, do you know what your mother would like to give you for breakfast most any time of the year? A heaping bowl of sunshine. Yes, sir. She knows the important effect of sunshine in helping you build strong bones and teeth. So one of the next best things is Kellogg's Pet, because you can get the vitamin D effect of sunshine in this sunny golden toasted cereal. Why, your regular serving of Pet gives you your whole daily minimum need of sunshine vitamin D, plus more than twice as much of an energy vitamin B1 as in sun-ripened whole wheat. Of course, you like Pet for breakfast because it's a doggone golden and crisp and has that real wide-awake flavor. And because that's how you get those exciting comic buttons all the gangs are collecting. Aren't the characters in this new second series really nifty-looking? Why, they're bright-colored and, and red and blue and yellow and black. All kinds of wonderful colors. But remember, there's only one way you can get these comic buttons. You can't buy them anywhere, and you don't send in either money or a box stop. You just make sure Mom keeps stocked up with plenty of Kellogg's Pep and look for your prize inside the package. That's P-E-P. Pep, the sunshine cereal made by Kellogg's of Vast Creek. And now, the adventures of Superman. 
It is midnight in Metropolis. The city's noisy pulse is stilled. The darkness, like a thick blanket, covers its sleeping millions. On Morton Street, alive by day with the clatter of neighborhood crowds, all is silent, save for the distant tolling of the clock in the insurance building tower. The muffled, hollow footsteps of two shrouded figures move cautiously along the row of darkened storefronts, keeping close to their shadows. They pass the community market, its green shades drawn. They pass Miller's Bakery and Spinelli's Shoe Repair Shop and Cousin Brothers Butchers. Then suddenly, at a whispered command from one, they stop, crouched and alert in the thick shadows. There is a light in the corner drugstore. Tartu said he closes before midnight. Yeah, yeah, he does. I cased the jake all week. You cased that joint. I ought to suck you. Honest, honest, I did. How can I help it if he ain't closed up yet? Maybe he's got a customer. Yeah, maybe you ain't gonna live long enough to... Hey, get back. What's the matter? Someone's coming out of the store. You see? He told you he had a customer. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, yeah, I guess Shut up. Was... But... Shut up. Here he comes. Who? Who do you suppose? Oh, oh yeah. Hey, it's him. He's locking the door. He's back. He's getting this car, see? Just like I told you. Yeah, you told me. Get ready. Yeah, sure. Sure, I'm ready. You got the bottle? The what? The bottle, you dummy, the bottle. Oh, oh yeah. Hey, yeah, I got it. Hey, what's in? What do you take? Huh? Hey, there he goes. He's driving away. Wait a minute. What for? Wait to get out of sight, you dope. Okay. Coast is clear. Let's go. You know what to do now? Yeah, yeah, sure I know. Listen, you mess this up and I'll break oh, it. Oh, fool, I don't worry. Better not. Okay, here we are. What are you waiting for? I'm just looking at all that blue gauze and the wind advertising perfume. Ain't that gonna boing pretty, huh? Yeah. Hey, come on, throw that thing, will you? Okay, here goes. Holy cow. Hurry up, you don't sprinkle that stuff around. Yeah, I am. Wait a minute, will you? All right, that's enough. Get back. I'm going to toss a match in there. Creepers. Okay. That'll learn them. Come on, let's go. Danny, tell Mr. Kent and Mr. White what you saw in Morton Street last night. Gosh, uh, are you sure it's okay, Jim? Well, you don't think I would have brought you down here if I didn't think it was okay, do you? Yeah, I know, but... Well, gosh, if they ever find out that... Your fool finds out. What's this all about, Olson? Who is this kid? Well, His I... name's Danny O'Neill, Chief. He's a friend of Jimmy's and he's a newsboy. Oh. Look, Danny... Yes, sir? You'd like to tell us something about the Morton Street fire, wouldn't you? How did you know? Well, Jim said you saw something on Morton Street last night, and since that's where the fire started, I just sort of put two and two together. Danny saw plenty. He saw the guys who started the fire. What? Kent, tell Barker to hold the presses. Now, wait a minute. makeup roll. Rip off the front page. Don't sit there gaping at me. There's a scoop here. Hear me a scoop. But, Jim, you said they wouldn't put it in the paper. You promised. Kent, in the name of heaven, will you? Just a minute, Chief. I promised Danny we wouldn't print anything he told us, Mr. White. You promised Danny. And who are you? Well, I'm running this paper. I'll decide what to print and what not to print. Now see what you've done, yelling at the top of your lungs. See what I've done. Oh, don't cry, Danny. It'll be all right. Oh, well, Kent, for the last time, will you get those presses stopped? No, or... I won't. What? Now, look, Chief. You know as well as anyone does that off-the-record statements made to a reporter are held in confidence. But he's only a kid. I don't care if he's a kid or a king or a prince or a pauper. He has as much right to have his confidence respected as anyone. Well, okay. 
you win. Hey, you see, Danny, everything's all right. It's not going to be printed. Now you can tell him. You better tell him, Jim. I'm too... Okay, Danny. Here, here's a clean handkerchief. Blow your nose. Thanks. Now, you just sit back and relax. I'll tell Mr. Ken and Mr. White what you saw. Oh, if I get anything wrong, you correct me, huh? All right. Go ahead, Jim. Well, last night, Danny's mother got sick and she needed some medicine. Uh Uh-huh. It was around midnight, and although Danny wasn't sure the drugstore would be open, he got dressed and went down. It was closed. But as he came around the corner, he saw two guys standing in front of the Morton Street window of the store. One of them had a brick in his hand, and the other one had a bottle. What kind of a bottle? I'll come to that. Well, anyway, suddenly the guy with the brick tossed it through the store window. The guy with the bottle ran up to the window and sprinkled some stuff inside. Gasoline. Then the guy who threw the brick lit a match and set fire to it. Then they ran. Good Godfrey. And you mean to tell me we can't find that? Wait a minute, Chief. There's more. Go on, Jim. Well, the first thing Danny thought of was to turn in a fire alarm. So he ran across the street to a box and rang the alarm. And then he got frightened. Why, Danny? You'll tell him, Jim. I'll eat. He got frightened because he thought he recognized the guy who threw the brick and set the stuff at the window on fire. Well, who was he? Danny thinks it was a guy named Muggs, a big tough kid who quit school last year and spends all the time hanging around the pool room. Well, I don't understand. Why did that frighten you, Danny? You know why, Jim. Sure. Danny was frightened because when he came around the corner, he was right under a street lamp. And just as he saw Muggs and recognized him, he sure Muggs saw him. Uh-huh. That's why he was afraid to go to the police. That's why he came to me. Muggs will kill me if he finds out I snitched. Oh, over my dead body, he will. Kent, you get Henderson on the phone. Tell him to send a squad of cops into that neighborhood immediately. I want that little hoodlum that Muggs character picked up tonight. He, he's not there. Not where, Danny? He went away. What? I heard the other tough kids talking about how Muggs went away and, and wouldn't be back till tomorrow. Uh, hiding out like a big-time gangster. Well, tomorrow's time enough. Uh, what's Muggs' last name, Danny? I don't know. That's the only name they call him. You wouldn't have any idea why he and the other boy started that fire in the drugstore, would you? No. I don't know why they did it. What's the difference? Why they did it? They did it? Well, uh, it may make a lot of difference. Okay, Danny, I think you told us all we need to know. And look, son, don't worry. Nothing's going to happen to you. That Muggs is awful tough. Well, we can be tough, too. Jim, yeah? Danny's had a pretty tough day. Suppose you take him home in a cab, huh? Oh, sure. And don't go to school tomorrow, Danny. Jim and I'll pick you up about, oh, ten in the morning. Is that all right? Yeah, I guess so. Good boy. Come on, Danny. We're going home in style. Are we home already? Sure thing. That's where you live, isn't it? Yeah. I'll see you in the morning, Danny. Okay, Jim. So long. Go on. Wait a minute, kid. Huh? You Danny O'Neill? Yeah. Okay, skinny. Let him have it. Come on. Oh, yeah. That same evening, Clark Kent, returning to his apartment after having had dinner with Perry White, enters just as the phone rings. Hello? Mr. Kent, this is Beanie at the office. Oh, yes, Beanie. Gosh, I've been trying to get you for the last half hour. Why, what's the trouble? It's, it's about Jim, Mr. Kent. Jim, what about him? He was taken to the Metropolis Hospital. What was that? They said Jim was taken to the Metropolis Hospital and they want you to get down there as fast as you can. 
barked as though by a bolt of lightning. The pit of his stomach suddenly empty and hollow. Clark slams the phone receiver down and heads for the door. Henri changes his mind, turns and quickly strips off his business suit, revealing himself in the blue costume and red cape of Superman. I can get there a lot faster this way. Up for the window. Out. And away! What has happened to Jimmy Olsen? Is it the same thing we know happened to little Danny O'Neill? Gang, this is only the beginning of the most exciting adventure the Man of Steel has ever taken part in. So don't fail to hear tomorrow's thrill-packed episode entitled The Invisible Killer. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station. And remember, for breakfast, it's Kellogg's Pep. For excitement, it's the adventures of Superman. Superman is a copyrighted feature appearing in the Superman DC comic magazines. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior!